This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Lowe's knows you'll do it right. And do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right, too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tile starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next bath project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Favalli, coming at you, as always, with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, cannot believe that LaMarcus Aldridge made the all-star game over Stephen Adams, (laughs) co-host Andrew D. Bailey. We are going to continue rolling through our massive trade deadline primers. If you have any feedback for us on these, we, we already recorded the Eastern Conference lottery teams. Uh, please let us know, but we're delivering you guys complete breakdowns of teams' vitals, assets, uh, salary cap situations, and we have hypothetical trades for all of them in advance of the deadline. Some of our Eastern Conference lottery team ones were already blown up, though, because the Knicks and Mavericks went apeshit on us. Um I so much for this being a quiet trade deadline, I guess, and they were acting like the 3 p.m. deadline was this past Thursday, essentially, uh, yeah. not not the upcoming Thursday. But we're going to get into that since we have the Mavericks to discuss today, anyway. So we'll talk about both teams. And uh, but we, we first we we do have to ask before we do anything else, Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, your little. Typical intro joke was like half true today, so that's nice. <laughs> Rudy Gobert I, not making it isn't. I think every year, for the most part, you could look at the rosters and say you can't name a snub without saying who you kick off. And I'm like, well, I'll kick off Clay Thompson and the Marcus Aldridge if it means putting Rudy Gobert in the All Star game. Yeah, it was bad. But you're, I mean, even Stephen Adams has been better than Lamarcus Aldridge this season. Um, so you weren't like completely off base there either, but the, yeah, I was just, I mean, I wasn't that surprised, I guess. Um, it was, I was more a little of, surprised. I'm not going to lie. I, it was like, it was my, uh, excuse to go have a little bit of righteous indignation on Twitter. Um, I read that it was very, it was, it was very <laughs> informative. And that there were a bunch of people, um, who had like some interesting stats on it, uh, Tavon Parker or Taven, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Um, he said only twice as a player averaged more than 14 points, 12 rebounds, two blocks, and, and 600 true shooting percentage and not been named an all-star. It's been Rudy Gobert both times. Ten other occurrences were all-stars. 
That is outrageous. It's crazy. And he leads the NBA in win shares um, and has for two or three weeks now. And the rest of the top 10 is all-stars. He's top 10 in, in every metric you can think of. And somebody else, oh, it was, it was Locke, the, David Locke, the play-by-play guy for the Jazz Radio, said, uh, next training camp, when, when training camp's open and coaches give their little spiel about defense, every one of the players should call them out on it <laughs> and say it's BS because you guys didn't vote for the reigning defensive player of the year who's still a do- dominant defensive player. Um, you had to know I was going to go on a little bit of a rant, but there it is. It's just it's just crazy to me. The one thing I will say, too, is that if you, they were, people were talking about how you weigh track record. And that's why LaMarcus Aldridge would get the nod or why Klay Thompson would get the nod after struggling for the first part of the season. I'd rather have seen Dirk get the career achievement nod. Yeah, like the legacy thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, just... i got to do one more stat for Aldridge. Spurs fans are going to be mad. Maybe, uh, I think, I don't know who had it. Never mind. Um Rudy Gobert clearly should have been in the All Star game. Yeah, right? it's crazy. He, we, when we did the Bleacher Report 100 rankings, he ended up tied for 11th for with Damian Lillard. And so to not have, even if people think that's high, to not have a top 15 player in the All Star game is weird. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I did for also forget to say, everyone, please continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. You are not going to get these fantastic jazz Rudy Gobert related rants anywhere else. <laughs> uh, take the 10 to 15 seconds out of your day, search Hardwood Knox on iTunes, throw us a rating, leave a written review. If you haven't subscribed, please remember to do that anyway. If you've done all that, again, we're asking, just recommend us. Give us a shout out on Twitter so that your followers know that you listen to us so that we can continue growing our audience. We can, of course, be found wherever else podcasts are consumed, but iTunes is still the best way to help us. And so, okay, so Oh, go, sorry. I was going to say I found it. All right. What is it? This is, this is from David Locke. According to Cleaning the Glass, LaMarcus Aldridge is in the 46th percentile in points per shot for all big men. His effective field goal percentage is in the 27th percentile of bigs. Spurs offense is 2.3 points per 100 possessions worse when he's on the floor. And defense is 3 points per 100 possessions worse. The only thing I'll say about the offense is the Spurs' bench is legit, and so I'm sure that warps all their yeah. starters. But, yeah, he's, that's... He's spending a lot of time with uh, DeRozan, who's been a drag on their offense this season. But um, they're, they're just... Um, there are so many numbers that it's like, wow, how is Gobert not an all-star? Yeah, that's... Again, anyway. I, I thought this was going to be the year that it wasn't... I just thought I thought he was going to get in. I just assumed that it was going to happen, which was obviously yeah. my my mistake. Even even the year that Hayward made it, Gobert was like a clear choice over him to me. Um, last thing on this, can you guess where Clay Thompson ranks in the average uh, rank catch all average? <laughs> if you sort every player with five hundred minutes by the average of their ranks in ten catch alls, where do you think Clay Thompson ranks? There it is. Can you give me an over under? One hundred. I'm gonna say under. He's one fifteen. I don't know if under technically would have meant. I meant to like that he was lower than that. I'm not it's sure. Worth, it, okay. Under yeah. might have insinu- insinuated he was in the top one. Yeah, that's just. 
I mean, I get maybe not wanting to have too many bigs on the roster, but then Gobert clearly should have been in there over Clay Thompson. And I think you could also argue that Luka Doncic probably should have been there over Clay too. But uh, yeah, should have been in there over Aldridge uh, for Rudy Gobert. Should have been Aldridge, and then you could have made a case for Doncic over Clay. Doncic is thirty fourth in that same thing. I'm less inclined to feel bad about rookies because if track records are going to be weighed in any sort of form, then all right. Yeah. But even if you weigh track record, I still think Rudy gets should get the nod over Aldridge. Here are some guys who didn't make it: um, Drew Holiday, twenty first; Mike Conley, oh, twenty. Been another good one, yeah. Um, Stephen Adams, twenty four. Um, Tobias Harris, thirty. I mean, there's a ton of guys higher than one fifteen in the Western Conference. So whatever. You've heard it, NBA. Have have Andy just select the all-star teams, or at least the yeah. reserves from scratch. Just give him absolute power, veto power Dude, over the coaches. I, I tweeted that last night. Did you see that? I did not see that one. Um, I said fans, coaches, and plenty of media members are legitimately terrible at picking this stuff. The NBA should just have me do it. <laughs> the media doesn't pick reserves, though. It's just the coaches. I know, but I, I was I was referring to like all NBA, basically anything that's picked. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't demand much of a salary for this job either. NBA, <laughs> I wouldn't demand. Yeah, just low six figures, maybe high six. <laughs> yeah. figures. Definitely under a million. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, and that's that's a drop in the bucket for the league. So whatever, I'm here, guys. Let me know. <laughs> um. So let's get into this uh, Western Conference lottery team trade deadline primer. We are doing this based off the standings as of now, which means that. Kings fans, Lakers fans, there are chances that your team ends up in, in the playoff picture. I wouldn't doubt it on any front because the Western Conference is a mess. Everyone else seems like they're pretty comfortably going to stay in the lottery. Looking at it, though, I don't know who you displace from the playoff picture right now. It's like It gets maybe the Clippers. Um, are the Spurs going to fall off? Are the Rockets going to fall off? Are the Jazz, who are in seventh, going to fall off? Uh, but I think that the Lakers and the Kings are the two teams to watch. I don't think Minnesota or New Orleans, Dallas or Memphis or Phoenix, for that matter, is going to make a push. Anyway, we're going to start in Dallas because I don't know if anyone heard, but there was a trade. So we're just going <laughs> to dovetail that with uh, with this. The Mavericks sent, and this is going to be a mouthful, so uh, everyone listen up, kids. The Mavericks sent Dennis Smith Jr., Wesley Matthews, and DeAndre Jordan an unprotected 2021 first-round pick and a top-10-protected 2023 first-round pick to the Knicks for Kristaps Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke. And they needed to waive uh, Ray Spaulding to to make this uh, deal work as well. The Mavericks did. I don't... This is the first of all, the Knicks are a terrible franchise because they let the information about Kristaps requesting a trade on Thursday in a meeting and then moved him like two seconds later. Yeah, we I don't know, buy that at all. We oh no. That we know that they were talking Wednesday night. The Mavericks were at MSG and Mark Burman, the New York Post reported that, and I believe someone else had it that they were speaking for a few days. This seems like a situation where the Knicks were always contemplating on doing this and wanted a contrived impetus to do it. And so I don't, you know, there, there've been stuff with Porzingis. That's weird. He's missed 45%, almost 50% of his career games. He has come off entitled at points. If he's actually unhappy that the Knicks aren't winning without their best player, I don't really know what to tell him. That's, you know, there are many layers to this and I think it's really hard to digest, but the Knicks number one, uh, 
let that information stuff leak. This wasn't motivated solely by Christoph Porzingis demanding a trade. It didn't happen. And two, whether I don't know what after letting the trade sit for a while, I still don't really know what to make of it for the Knicks. But I think a good rule of thumb is to never give them the benefit of the doubt. And you, <laughs> you look at look, look, you look at what they did here, and now it's going to be my turn for a rant. And yeah. what team would give up? I think we could say Christoph Porzingis when he's healthy will comfortably be a top 25 player if he stays healthy. So you're giving up that. A homegrown top 25 could be, should be, will be top 25 player. Uh, for Dennis Smith Jr., who's just, the numbers are flashy sometimes, but he just, he it's like that Harrison Barnes effect where he doesn't have an impact on winning yet. And yes, yeah. he's only a sophomore. But anyway, this was about cap space because the Knicks, um, I have them at now if they keep Damian Dotson, if they get the first uh, the number one pick. So this number could go up. And this is with Noah's money on the books, with cap holds baked in. Uh, they're going to have Dennis Smith Jr., Emmanuel, uh, excuse me, Frank Nielakina, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, Damian Dotson, Alonzo Trier, and their first round pick under contract heading into next season. That's seven players. You bake in those minimum cap holds, they're at $70.1 million in cap room. If you want them to sign two max stars, one of which will be Durant, the other of which would be from the Kyrie, Clay, Kwai pool, it costs $70.9 million. So even if they, don't, if they don't win the number one pick, they're just going to have room for two max stars right off the bat. Uh, and there's ways that if they do win the number one pick, they can open up that extra room essentially by just waving dots in, or you can trade Trier. So they have the money for it. What team would make this trade without knowing that those two stars are coming. And I'm going to tell you which team would make that trade. It's the New York Knicks. <laughs> they are the one team that would make this deal without knowing that anyone's coming and just banking on it happening. And what makes me uneasy about this for them, and I don't even want to use the word uneasy because they deserve it if they swing and miss. Uh, for the fan base, they deserve two stars. Uh, I, I hope they get them. But the Knicks franchise itself does not. And... The fact that they're placing so much stock in Kyrie Irving leaving Boston after he said he plans on resigning in Boston is batshit crazy. I know people have said that there's a chance he might leave now uh, it, because of what's happened this season. He called out his teammates. What if they don't get Anthony Davis? He said he was going to return to the Celtics, and now the Knicks are trading Kristaps Porzingis to make sure that they have room for him and KD, who has to leave a dynasty to play for the Knicks. And I get the value of saying, well, I want to win in New York because it's going to mean more. So the Knicks' top selling point to KD, effectively, is their incompetence. We haven't won in a billion decades, so why don't you come put us on? Like, that's their selling point. It's all, maybe it works out, but it's all risky. And the last point I'll make for them is that if they sign one star, they've they failed. You need two stars in this because you could have signed Kevin Durant. You could have made it work over the summer. You could have decided to trade one or both of these contracts over the summer when more teams had flexibility to do so uh, if you were going to get that one star, and then you, you still would have had KP. He wasn't signing his qualifying offer. His qualifying offer is about to drop to four, $4.5 because he doesn't meet the starter's criteria. It's just not happening. And so if you don't, there are things to like, like maybe Dennis Smith Jr. works out. Now you've added first-round picks. Let's see if they keep them or try and trade them eventually. But to I, this whole thing is just, it, it's short-circuiting another rebuild in my mind. And if you don't get two stars, you failed because there was a very clear path to one without blowing up the roster the way that they did. 
I think that's all true, uh, or that's all fair. Uh, I feel like I'm one of the only people left in the world who kind of likes this deal for both teams. And uh, all the concerns for the Knicks are valid. Um, are they not the one team, though, that would make this trade without I, knowing was, someone's coming? Yeah, when you, when you said that just now, I was like, oh, yeah, he's maybe on to something there. <laughs> um, I don't know why. There's there's really no history that suggests I should think this way, but I feel like they're <laughs> going to get some guys. Um, and maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part. For some reason, I think it would be cool if, if yeah, they did wind up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. The, what the chances of that are, um, I have no idea. They're probably really, really small. Um, there are there are massive hurdles in each guy's case. Um, you explained, you know, Kyrie's in a good situation. He's already told the fan base that I'm coming back in a public event. Um, Kevin Durant would have to walk away from a, pa- a possible four-peat, um, which is just exceptionally rare. Ha- have we had a four-peat since, like, the 60s Celtics? Um, no, right? I don't no. think we have. Yeah, because the Bulls had the break in the middle when Jordan went and played baseball. The Lakers did their three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's been since the '60 Celtics when there was only like nine or ten teams in the NBA. So he has a chance to do something crazy with Golden State. Um, but some of the smoke surrounding, you know, Rich Kleiman being a New York guy, um, KD's business manager, the the legacy stuff. I still hear. I was trying to explain this to a friend in text messages yesterday, and I was kind of struggling. <laughs> Because he, he didn't understand it from the Knicks' perspective. Um, and I was saying that, I, you know, you still hear interviews all the time from players on podcasts and other appearances. Oh, MSG is my favorite place to play. There's just something different about that. And and like you said, the Knicks haven't been good. I mean, for years and years and years, I, I worked up their record since the Patrick Ewing era yesterday. And they're like 200 games below 500. Yeah, did your eyes start bleeding? <laughs> it's not good. They, they had that one good season with Melo and Mike Woodson when they were shooting a ton of threes. That was like 2013, maybe, um, somewhere in there. But, but other than that, it's been a rough, rough time for the Knicks. And I don't know how MSG still holds the lore that it does, but it seems to. Um, and if they wind up with two stars out of this, then it, it looks great. But I, I readily acknowledge that uh, the chances of that are slim. For Dallas... Um, I loved the trade and I still pretty much do when it first broke, but some details that trickled in made me a little bit more hesitant, I guess. Um, if, if Porzingis ends up signing the qualifying offer and leaving in 2020, that's obviously not great. I don't think that's super likely either. It seems like he's a little bit more open to this idea than, than was originally thought. Uh, he tweeted out that gif of him and Luca, which was, you know, that's interesting. Shams tweeted that he likes Dirk and Luca. Um, so there's there's positive signs there. And I think Mark Cuban's pretty good at selling people on the culture of his team. Um, and we'll just leave it at team. We won't go whole organization because we know there's some issues there. Um, and then uh, I can't remember. Oh, the, the picks. Um, I was a little surprised there was two firsts in there. Um, that obviously makes it a little bit better for the uh, Knicks. Um, 
but ultimately, I mean, it just tempered my excitement a little bit from the Mavericks perspective. I, I do still think it's a good trade because if Porzingis is healthy, and that's another question mark, um, him and Luca seem to fit really well on paper. Yeah, it's you have someone who's ready-made to be a top 10 player and then someone else who's a top 25 player, and they're both super young. So it ends up being, but I don't think people are talking enough about the risk that they're sort of taking here. If you, I I mean, if you look at it, so this summer, I'm going to be interested to see if they make a play to maybe move Tim Hardaway Jr. again, or if they move Dwight Powell or Courtney Lee or maybe Harrison Barnes, just because this might be the best, this still might be the best chance they have to open up cap space to go after a meaningful player. Kristaps' uh, cap hold is $17.1 million if they sign him to a max deal in 2021. So that cap hold leading it the summer of 2020 is going to be $29.4 million. You'll have Tim Hardaway Jr.'s $19 million player option. Luca's making $8.1 million that year. Bargain, but that's still nothing to just write off. And yeah. what contracts are you going to have added by that point? Are you really going to try and just keep your books that clean until 2020 and sort of punt? On next season, uh, perhaps because you're you're projected to own your pick. Uh, that's the and this cap their cap space projections right now. If they don't, if they convey their pick to Atlanta, they're in line for about eight point six, which is less than the non taxpayers mid level. So if you move a Harrison Barnes to the Kings, or maybe you see if they want Tim Hardaway Jr. I know he can't be traded in combination with another player now, but we don't know what'll happen over the summer. Uh, you're all of a sudden you have a ton of more space to work with. If you want to keep your books clean to 2020, then yeah, there will be some. You'll have your draft pick, um, and maybe you're able to move Tim Hardaway Jr. because he's on an expiring contract, and then you have Kristaps locked down. Luka will be going into uh, year three, and presumably Porzingis will have played well off his ACL injury. That's the goal. And then so now you're able to sell players on that partnership. That number goes down. You also have to talk about Dorian Finney-Smith is a free agent this year. Very low cap hold. Same with Maxi Kleba. But if they want to keep those guys, that's going to cost some money over the next mm-hmm. few years. So I'm interested to see how this impacts their ability to flesh out the team around both Doncic and Porzingis. Because right now, Barnes and Hardaway Jr. and Lee, that ain't it. Like That's not that's not the answer. Uh, Finney-Smith and Kleba are probably guys that would look nice on this team long term. Still, to give up three first-round picks, and some of them... Maybe there's value in them not conveying until late. Like they could, there's a chance that um, if it doesn't convey by 2025, it turns into seconds for the Knicks. I don't necessarily know that you want that to happen because the that's top ten protected in 2023. So it's maybe they'd welcome it if they won the lottery this year and pushes everything back. If you fall in the top five, maybe you're able to add another cornerstone. But they didn't. They didn't, you know, risk nothing here. And let's remember, ACL injuries aren't what they are. Uh, were excuse me, but. Christos Porzingis hasn't played basketball in over a year, and he's had injuries specifically to the left side of his body a ton since entering the NBA. Yeah, I really hope he can stay healthy. Um, he's going to, and he's going to go back to Madison Square Garden and drop 50 on the Knicks <laughs> once a year. Um, <laughs> that would be so perfect. Because I, I just, on paper, I think that's such an interesting and cool fit. Um, especially if he's playing the five, which is where he should have been his whole time in New York. Should should uh should I rattle through their uh, trade primer that you've got for him here? I was going to say that we don't even really need to do it because of the rosters changed so much. Uh, the, I the, think we could at least uh, – I think you have an interesting trade idea here. Oh, yeah, I was going to definitely do that. I was going to say who is now there. All the players they just acquired, by the way, they can be traded again but not in combination with other players. 
Um, there, we gave you their outbound draft picks already. They also owe a twenty twenty second to Philly. Um, so that's you know that's another pick that's out there. They do have Golden State's or Houston's twenty twenty second and Miami's twenty twenty three second round pick coming inbound. Who's their toughest player to move now on the roster? I would think it's Tim Hardaway just because he can't he has two years left on his deal and can't be traded with anybody else. Yeah. Um does that rule apply to draft picks too? No, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, I still think it would be Tim Hardaway. Um just you just lose a lot of options when you can only trade a guy by himself. Who's the most likely player to be traded now? Um, I have we had Dennis Smith, I want everyone to know. So we were we were correct. <laughs> I like your pick here too. Um it's probably Harrison Barnes. He's another guy. <laughs> Basically, all season I've been kind of tracking how does Luca play with the various starters, um, or how does Dallas play when Luca's on the floor with the various starters is a better way to put it. And generally speaking, it's not good. Um, I looked at the numbers last night when he's on the floor without Smith and Matthews, who were just traded to the Knicks. Obviously, the the Mavericks had like a ninety first percentile net rating. Um, and the numbers are similar with Harrison Barnes, too. So <laughs> looking to move him, I think, would be interesting. And I, I, you have an interesting trade here um, to get him off the books. And it's not necessarily an addition by subtraction thing, because I, it might be interesting to see how Luca and Harrison Barnes play now that, that Smith and Matthews are out of the, the equation. Um, but the deal that you've got opens up some some more flexibility uh, that you've already talked about a little bit. Um, and I think flexibility is going to be good going forward. You have your two building block players in Luca and Porzingis. Um, now it's time to find ways to, to add to that. Maybe one more core or building block type player or just like really high level role players. I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, their salary cap situation. They have plenty of flexibility now under the luxury tax after this trade. Uh, I think what to watch for is are they going to do anything after the Kristaps Porzingis trade? And so the deal I have laid out for them is aimed at getting them cap space this summer still. Uh, Dallas would get Costa Kufos and Zach Randolph. Sacramento would receive Harrison Barnes and the 2022nd round pick more favorable from Golden State and Houston that Dallas owns. Uh, Dallas already had to create a roster spot, so maybe you try and they could throw in another smaller salary so they don't have to do it again. But not even Trey Burke can be uh, dealt in combination with another player. So that's something that they would need to figure out. But the Kings seem like a team that could really use Harrison Barnes. Yeah, I think he could be um, useful there. I also, I also think he could... Uh... <laughs> He could sort of bog them down in sim bog them down in similar ways that he has Dallas. Uh, I think if he went to the Kings, somebody would have to get with him and uh, help him understand that his role here is going to be you're you're back to being a spot up shooter. Um, maybe not necessarily like you were in Golden State. And this would I, this conversation could obviously turn a player off, especially if a if a guy like Barnes is averaged. 17, 18, 19 points over the last few years um, with Dallas. But you do not want him doing these head down, never even thinking about passing drives that he does with Dallas. Because I think what makes Sacramento fun this season is they move the ball well. They play super fast. 
Um, De'Aaron Fox is a, a just really exciting to watch. You don't want to take the ball out of his hands. Um, you don't want to be taking shots from Buddy Heald. So I, I, I could see Sacramento talking themselves into this because if he's like your power forward and he's a floor spacer who will occasionally attack the closeout, I think he helps. Um, but I wouldn't want him doing too much. The other thing they could consider is just Hardaway Jr. for Zach Randolph straight up with that second round pick. It's just that THJ is not going to be able to defend bigger wings, even if he's coming yeah. off the bench. And you're still going to have the problem of he's probably better suited to play on a fast paced Kings. So that's something to consider. But you still have a concern about him maybe taking shots away from Heald and Bogdanovich and Fox. Yeah, I think I would if I'm the, if I'm Sacramento, I'd probably rather have Barnes because I think that three four versatility right is, would be a little bit more important for them. Um, how much caps? How much cap space would Dallas have if they pulled this trade off? If they got rid of Harrison Barnes and they were, they didn't have to take back any money for 2019 2020, they would be at 32.8 million dollars in cap space. Which that's wow. that's if they convey their pick. Uh, I just want everyone to know that the max contract for a 30% superstar, a Kyrie Irving or Kawhi Leonard, is 32.7. So that would be something to monitor. Uh, yeah. If they had those two guys and added even a, even a guy who's like a 25 to $30 million level, um, that's really Bryce interesting. Harris I'll, might be interesting on this team all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. He definitely would. If With him at the four and Porzingis at the five. Um, now... The last couple of times Dallas has had a lot of money to throw at players, it's been Wesley Matthews and Harrison Barnes. So um, there's also the risk of just Tobias Harris like turn into the next Harrison Barnes. He's not a great. He's a better passer. Can run some pick and roll, but he's not. I I wouldn't be terribly worried about that. Um, I I just think he's I, I think he's comfortably better and he's now than than Barnes ever was on the Warriors. But I I you know. <laughs> Um, there is that possibility for sure. Now we're on to everyone's favorite team or least favorite team, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, their buyers, I would say they're buyers pretty clearly. The only untouchable player they have is LeBron James. Uh, yeah. But their notable trade assets, we don't even need to go through. Everyone knows knows them. Uh, the four main ones are Ball, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram. So maybe some people want feet. Uh, so that that's something they could throw in. They have all their own first rounders. Um, they owe it their 2019 second round pick to Atlanta or Sacramento, their best salary matching assets, which are important because if you're not going to trade for Anthony Davis, you, you don't want to take back long term money since you want to go after free agents this summer. Beasley's expiring at 3.5 million KCP expiring at 12 million with an implicit no trade clause. Uh, Ray John Rondo expiring at nine million. Lance Stevenson expiring at four point four million. Their toughest player to move for me is Kentavious Caldwell Pope, mostly because of his no trade clause, and they would have to send him somewhere where he's guaranteed a, a bigger role. I think for him to definitively waive that. He's a clutch guy, isn't he? Yes. Uh, LeBron and Rich Paul just they'll, they'll get that in order. Who's your t- <laughs> Who's your toughest player to move then? Um. That's, I that was mostly tongue in cheek. I it would probably be him. Um, I'm trying to think who else uh, would even qualify for this. Um, 
we could get it could be Alonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram if you're worried about getting adequate value for them and not selling low. Yeah, I just I just sorted their roster by 2019-20 salary and Ingram was maybe a possibility, um, but you're probably right. It's it's probably KCP, even though he is expiring. So, um, but like you said, he's got to approve a trade. There's you know there's things there. Who's the most likely player to be traded on this team? Um, this is an interesting question for them too because I think, like you said at the top, anyone not named LeBron James should be available and and is available. Um, so <laughs> it would be hard for me to settle on on just one. I picked Lance Stevenson just because I'm guessing that they're not going to trade Anthony Davis. And so this would be the what to watch for too. So I'm going to say if they can't land Anthony Davis, and they probably won't this, what this season, doing? yeah, can, can they be buyers without impacting their core asset base or this summer's cap space? Lance Stevenson, there just seems like a you can flip Lance Stevenson for Wayne Ellington and send Miami a future pick. You've lowered their tax bill, and they're using Wayne Ellington now. But is that going to change once Goran Dragic is healthy? Tyler Johnson was dealing with some ankle stuff too. So is Ellington expiring? Yeah. He has a no trade clause, but I don't think he would, um, I don't think he would stop the trade. That's, that's just one permutation. Attach Lance Stevenson to a pick for a low salary player. I know a lot of people think maybe it's KCP and you take back a higher salary name. Uh, if Orlando becomes sellers, maybe you do that with Terrence Ross. I don't know. That would be the logic there. Their salary. uh, Go ahead. It's interesting that the Lakers like poop. It's it's interesting that the Lakers sort of passed on shooting this summer. Um, that would, oh please, <laughs> it would certainly help. Um, the one you know what I was thinking it. about while they were sucking it up without LeBron, who returned against the Clippers last night, is that uh-huh. the only way the Lakers' logic would have made sense is if they were just preparing and trying to make sure that they would be good without LeBron from when he was injured to when they were, were just they were going to rest him a ton. And they weren't. So that just yeah. further invalidates the whole surround him with playmaker idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it whether you have LeBron or not, some shooting is certainly nice. You can to never have. have too much shooting around LeBron. Yeah. It's just um their salary cap situation, they have plenty of flexibility under the luxury tax, so no concerns there. Uh my trade idea for them, while I just said that they're not going to get Anthony Davis this summer, it is an Anthony Davis trade, and the goal for me was just to see if there was any way that they could go semi-nuclear and in coax New Orleans into a deal before um, hearing Boston's legal pitch over the summer, or yeah. at least give a starting point for that. So I have a three-team trade because Lonzo Ball doesn't want to play in New Orleans. The Los Angeles Lakers receive Ian Clark, who must consent to a trade, Anthony Davis, Tim Frazier, Wesley Johnson. The Pelicans receive Kyle Kuzma, Rajon Rondo, Zubak, a 2019 first-round pick, unprotected. A 2020 second-round pick from the Lakers. A 2021 first-round pick, unprotected from the Lakers. A 2022 second-round pick from the Lakers. And a 2023 first-round pick that only has swap rights with the Lakers. And Mo Bamba. And then the Orlando Magic would receive Lonzo Ball. The thing here, I guess this could be construed as selling low on Bamba, particularly with Ball injured. But I think Lonzo can be is going to be really good. And if the Magic want to keep Vucevic, they should not 
have Mo Bamba. It's just that his his value is really only going to go down because those two shouldn't be playing together. And so I think you know you could plug in jo- Jonathan Isaac and maybe this year's pick if the Pelicans were willing to accept that. That would be an interesting one. Lazo Ball for Isaac and Orlando's pick this year to New Orleans. That's another permutation of this trade. That's just I don't know if Lazo Ball would want to go to Orlando, but he's not going to Chicago or New York. That's just. I mean, and has he watched the Bulls ever? Why would you want to go to Chicago? <laughs> so it, that would just be something. And I don't know that this is a package New Orleans would accept because they're not getting any immediate impact players unless you count um, Brandon Ingram was a part of this trade, and I think I left him off. Brandon Ingram was in this deal. As I well. was, I was going to ask you about that, actually. So if you want to count Rondo, and I mean Kuzma and Ingram and Rondo, but you're not getting anyone who's going to headline a playoff team right away, but maybe it gives you because the Lakers are giving up two firsts in addition to their best package along with swap rights. Like that's the nuclear to me, the scenario we want Anthony Davis this season. We're going to do literally whatever it takes to get him. I actually, I like this trade a lot. Um, with Brandon Ingram in it. I just I need to. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you about that. So I'm glad you clarified before I um, was able to. And I think, I think Alonzo ball, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic, um, sort of core is is really interesting, at least in the Eastern Conference. I, I still am very high on Lonzo Ball. So I think if he ends up in a spot where he's the unquestioned um, starting point guard, gets to control most possessions, I think his numbers are going to jump back up to where they were as a rookie, probably even a little bit better. Uh <laughs> I, d- I wish something like this would happen because I just root for chaos. And I do think that LeBron and Anthony Davis is a duo that that might be able to push the Warriors at least a little bit. And that would be fun to watch. Um, but I think your initial disclaimer holds that it's just it's just not going to happen before this trade deadline. There's- I, will, I will say this is the type of offer that if the Pelicans do let it leak into the summer, I don't know that they could guarantee the Lakers would go this far. And that's yeah. you know if that if you're not a Bamba fan or an Isaac slash first round pick fan, and that's fine. If you really want Jason Tatum and that's what you're waiting on, that's that's fine. I'm just saying this is probably you know the Lakers. This is a hell of an offer. I think I agree in terms yeah. of at least making it a decision for them now. I agree. Um, what I was going to say is there's just so not only do you are you waiting on the Celtics. Uh, not only are you waiting to see who ends up with the number one pick, there's also just so much. It seems like there's a lot of animosity towards the Lakers right now around the league. Um, there was that report that Popovich straight up told Dell Dems, don't cave to the Lakers. Um, that There's just a lot working against this happening in the next week. I would, again, I would love to see it. And I do think this is probably a fair offer. Um the, Celt- I, the Celtics can probably beat it too, but uh, this is this is really interesting to me for all three teams. That would bring us to the Memphis Grizzlies. You want to tackle their stuff? Let's do it. Buyers or sellers? I think they're pretty obviously sellers. They already had that report that they're shopping Gasol and Conley. Um, untouchable players: Jaron Jackson Jr. and Joe Kim Noah has a trade restriction, um, so he's. A, a technicality. It's also um, too good to trade, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, notable trade ad- assets. Dylan Brooks is out for the season, but he's non-guaranteed in 2019-20. Javon Carter, Omri Caspi has an expiring contract. 
Mike Conley, two years, 67 million left, 22.4 million partial guarantee for 2021. Mark Gasol, who has a $25.6 million player option for next season. Justin Holiday, expiring at 4.4 million, but he can't be traded in a combination with another player. Um, shout out once again to the Grizzlies for making that trade. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Shelton Mack, Shelvin Mack expiring at one and a half million and Ivan Rab, who's non-guaranteed for 2019, 20. Um, um, go ahead. I've left this out. So I'm interrupting you that I, I don't know why uh, they owe their 2019. Oh, incoming draft picks. They're 2019. They have a 2019 second round pick from Boston. Top 25 protected. Isn't that great? Uh, a 2022 second round pick from Detroit or Chicago less favorable. Maybe that's something. They're outgoing draft picks. Uh, they owe their 2019 first to Boston. Top eight protected this year. Top six protected in 2020 and then unprotected in 2021. They owe their 2019 second round pick to Chicago. Their 2020 second round pick, which is protected for the bottom five selections, is going to Houston or Chicago. Um, and then their 2021 second round pick is going to Sacramento. I don't know why I left that out for them. No problem. Best salary matching assets, Jermichael Green expiring at 7.6 million. Garrett Temple expiring at 8 million. Um, the toughest player to move. I, I think you're right on here. Chandler Parsons one year, $25.1 million. That's just, um, sad story. <laughs> Most likely player to be traded. Mike Conley, who, like I said, is, you know, they've already, come out and said he's available and he's a guy who could still help. He's been healthy this season. He's averaging 20 points. Um, he, he looks like his old self. And I think if he's got a better supporting cast, he could look even better. So I think there's a lot of teams that could talk themselves into him helping, um, their salary cap situation. They are within 500,000 of the luxury tax. So there's a little bit, um, to watch there. And then a the what to watch um, is also fairly obvious. Will they be able to move Mike Conley or Marcus All or both? Um, your trade idea kind of breaks my heart. Um, <laughs> even though, and I, I even uh, I, I did this in a pretty much the same thing. So this is interesting. Um, I didn't I didn't really get into details on the picks, but I just wrote an article for SLC Dunk about possible trade packages we could see from the Jazz, and one of them was Conley. Um, and Ricky Rubio is expiring. So I'll, I'll just read how you have it laid out. Uh, Memphis gets Grayson Allen, Dante Exum. That's the one that hurts me. Ricky Rubio, a 2019 first round pick that's top five protected, a 2019 second round pick, um, a 2021 first round pick, lottery protected uh, through 2023, at which point it would turn into two seconds if it doesn't convey. Um, the Jazz would get Conley and Caspi. Um, who oddly might be Caspi, but oddly might be fun in Utah. He could help. Yeah, he could he could play some of that um, sort of stretch or playmaking four type role. I've I, I um, I'm not sourced, but I have heard that they are they're they're working on a Conley trade. The Jazz um, aggregators. <laughs> so. It's it's out there, and it's not the only thing that they're working on. I mean, they've talked to a bunch of different teams over the last couple of weeks. I've just heard that they are they are most certainly interested in Mike Conley, and I've tried to think of ways that it works. Ricky Rubio's expiring salary is uh, that's going to have to be in there, but at that point, it's like, okay, what's the incentive for Memphis? They've got to get something else, and that's why 
it just feels like Dante Exum would have to be in that deal. Um, now Dante Exum in two firsts is kind of a lot, but at the same time, Dante Exum is, is all promise and not a lot of production. Um, so they might insist on, on getting two firsts. I think this deal makes some sense. Grayson Allen isn't something that the jazz are going to, um, they're not going to drag their feet on that. I wouldn't think he's, um, he's a 23 year old rookie. He hasn't been able to crack the rotation. And when he is on the floor, it's, it's pretty rough. Um, so I, I think this is a pretty fair deal. The instant upgrade, you know, in the short term from Rubio to Conley is just huge. Um, in a perfect world, the Jazz would get Drew Holiday, but I think he would cost a lot more, and I'm not sure how available he is. Right. Um, Conley's 31. He's got the injury history. But right now, his production is about what Exum and Rubio are combining to produce. <laughs> so he would I, – I think he would instantly help their playoff push. This is a deal that's that's really interesting, and I think something similar might actually be being discussed. What would you? What do you think could possibly be removed from the Jazz's side that wouldn't kill it for Memphis? Like if they could hold on to Grace and Allen, maybe that just helps a little bit. Or maybe you hold on to the 2019 second round pick. I just, I don't think that because Exum and Allen seem. Ricky Rubio is not a lot in a vacuum. He's expiring. Let's get over it. Sour yeah. matching fodder. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's a good tank commander in Memphis. Who knows? But. <laughs> Grace and Allen and Dante Exum are tough because they're these first-round pick prospects who don't have first-round pick prospect value. And so when you're throwing in yeah. two first on top of it, I, I totally get it. But I think there are protections enough to at least protect the Jazz against disaster, maybe. But I think you could remove Grace and Allen or that second-round pick, and I, I don't think Grizzlies, the Grizzlies should walk or hang up the phone in that scenario. No, I would still think that would be a fair deal. Um if Exum is the player that he was for like two weeks or a month even before he got hurt, I think that's a, a very interesting trade for Memphis. They just they they need anything that's forward looking at this point. The, like you like you laid out at the top of this primer, really the only untouchable guy is Jaron Jackson. So the the uh, mo from from this point forward for the next couple of years should be build around can, Jaron Jackson. Yeah, who can we put around this guy? Um, and this is the deal that I think helps them do that. Do you that, think they? Sorry, I was actually going to ask you a question. Do you think they will move Marcus All or Mike Conley? Do you think one of them is going to be traded? I'm going to predict that Conley's traded. Uh, I think Marcus All is a little bit harder. He's 34 years old. Um, if he guaranteed his, he was going to opt out, I would pounce on him if I were another team. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the fact that he's on a player option for five point six million. Yeah, that's a that's a lot, um, and he's been like pretty inefficient the last couple seasons. His effective field goal percentage is forty eight over the last two seasons. I mean, he's I think he's still a helpful offensive player because a center who averages four point four assists um, and one and a half threes, even though his three point percentage is a little bit below league average, um, he he just he can still present some matchup problems as a playmaker and floor spacer from that position. Um, but it would have to be a really specific, correct situation. And, and yeah, that player option is just sort of looming over everything. Do you want to do the, I, I don't know who to go back and forth with who's more likely. I know I picked Conley like you did, but I've gone back and forth. I do ultimately think it's 
it's Conley just because you can get value for him, whereas Gasol might be more beneficial to you just to let him come off the books, like force him yeah. to hop out. Do you want to do the Minnesota Timberwolves since I party crashed the last one? Sure. Um, buyers or sellers, both, which is interesting. Untouchable players, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, he has a poison pill provision, but I think he would be untouchable regardless of that. Um, like Jaron Jackson in Memphis, he's he's sort of the one guy on Minnesota's roster that you should be prioritizing and thinking, how do we build around him going forward? Did you see his reaction to making the set, his second All-Star game? Uh-uh. There was a was video and he, he like – he broke down. I like it was cool. I player like people make fun of it, but it was really cool. But it, it made me forget that he already made an All Star game because I've never seen that type. I never would have guessed to have seen that type of reaction from someone who's already been there. And so maybe yep. it's just because the season has been such a like a shit show in Minnesota with the Jimmy Butler <laughs> maybe stuff. That's but I was I was surprised. He it was cool to see. I was surprised he was so emotional though. Sorry, I mean, that was just a little anecdote on the side. I'll, I'll look that up when we're done. Um, notable trade assets, Kata Bates' job, Robert Covington, Luol Deng, um, Tyus Jones, who's a re- restricted free agent this summer, Josh Kogi, and Derek Rose, who has an implicit no-trade clause, and Dario Saric. Um, notable inbound draft picks. They have all their own firsts. Miami's 2019 second is coming in. Denver or Philadelphia's 2022 second is coming in, whichever one is more favorable. Um, notable outbound picks, 2019 second rounder to Atlanta or Sacramento. Um, their best salary matching assets. Jared Bayless has an expiring contract, $8.7 million. Uh, George, George, I never know how to pronounce this. Georgie Dang. I think uh, he's, uh, the, I've, I suck at pronunciations. You know this. I'm pretty sure it's Gorgie Jang. It changes when you're watching away broadcasts, but I think that's the proper pronunciation. I'm looking it up now on Basketball Reference, and you are correct. Gorgie Jang. Um, sorry, Gorgie. Uh, two years, $33.5 million. Taj Gibson's expiring at 40, $14 million. Um, Jeff Teague expiring at $19 million. Anthony Tolliver expiring at $5.6 um, Teague does have a $19 million player option for next season. Oh, okay, good call. Yeah, I missed that. I was going to say that's a ton of expiring money, but yeah, Jeff Teague, $19 million player option. Um, toughest player to move. I, this is a no brainer. Andrew Wiggins, four years, 122.2 million. I think it was maybe a month ago. Now we, we were trying to think of any team that might want to trade for I've Andrew. None. Some people have identified the Grizzlies as part of their rebuild. That's a good way to ensure that you're never good, but <laughs> yeah. Um, long story short, it's not easy to find a logical trade partner to take on Andrew Wiggins. Uh, most likely to be traded, you have Tyus Jones. He is restricted, so you're kind of um, pawning off that responsibility to someone else, which is, you know, a lot of teams do that. Salary cap situation at a glance, they're within $4 million of the luxury tax. And what to watch you have, will they end up selling or could they acquire a swing piece for their postseason push? Your trade idea, Jerry and Grant and a 2019 second-round pick to Minnesota, Tyus Jones to Orlando. Um, I, I love this for the Orlando Magic. They've needed a point guard for a while. They're really good when DJ Augustine and Nikola Vucevic are on the floor, but I looked it up the other day. And when Augustine is on the floor without Vucevic, they're in the zeroth percentile <laughs> net rating. Um, so a better point guard would help Orlando. And that's a team that I think could talk themselves into thinking we might still be able to get into the playoffs. Um, 
and we talked about this in the last pod, so check that out if you missed it. But, but Orlando could talk themselves into being buyers, and I, I think this is a really interesting deal. Do you think this is since we and it's a Knicks trade since we the Knicks trade that we had yesterday blew up or in part one way to date this podcast, Fabs? But um, <laughs> the Dennis Smith Jr. for Mobamba structure. If you're the Knicks, would you do Dennis Smith and one of those Charlotte second rounders for Mobamba? Um, the problem with that for the Knicks is they've got Mitchell Robinson. Who do you think is better than Mobamba? I think you could. I think you could make that case. That's fair. Uh, Bamba maybe has a better long-term profile as a shooter. I wonder who has more trade value. It has to be in a in a for let's say the Knicks' purposes if they're planning on entering the Davis sweepstakes this summer. It would probably be Bamba, right? I would say yeah, probably Bamba. Um, I, yeah, I do think his long-term ceiling is maybe a little bit higher. But Mitchell Robinson has been really good when he's on the floor. Foul trouble has plagued him in a bunch of games. Um, but generally speaking, he he looks like he could be a really effective rim roller. And I think that's one of the only ways that you can kind of survive as a center th- these days is if you can defend really well and you can roll hard to the rim. And he's got the physical tools to be really good at that. That's fair. Bomber stretches the floor, though, which is something else to consider and probably develop into a better rim runner. Yeah. Still be so. I, yeah, you're right. The Mitchell Robinson makes it a little bit complex, but you have to figure that the Knicks would trade one of them because they never keep any of their prospects. Anyway, yeah. uh, that brings us to the Pelicans. Buyers or sellers? I don't know what you say. I think they were like they should. They're sellers, but they could be buyers if they're deciding that maybe we want to make a last ditch effort to keep Davis, or maybe we want to make a last ditch effort to make the playoffs or maybe we don't want to rebuild without Davis. So let's buy someone now and then we'll have Drew Holiday, whoever we get and whatever we uh, acquire in the Anthony Davis trade over the summer. Yeah, I could, I could see them going either way. I think the more likely route is probably sellers. Um, And they've even, did you see those? I can't remember who it was. Um, Somebody was tweeting out yesterday that the Pelicans are they're making calls about Drew Holiday. He's not necessarily available, but they're just sort of doing their due diligence to see what might be out there for him. Um, so hypothetically, everyone could be on the table at this point. So I, I think they've, you know, if I had to pick one or the other, I'd probably go sellers for them. Yeah, I'm with you. My trade idea is the exact opposite because I love chaos, but whatever. <laughs> the only untouchable players I have, I guess you could argue no one, but I said Drew Holiday because I don't. I think it's it would just feel rushed to move him now, and unless you're blown away by an Anthony Davis trade offer, you don't know. Like you don't you don't know what you're gonna do. So Anthony Davis is not untouchable to me because he's requested a trade. Yeah, uh, but Drew Holiday, I wouldn't move him yet this season. And again, unless I you're blown away. Either. Yeah. Uh, notable trade assets: They have Ian Clark expiring at one point five million and has an implicit no trade clause. Anthony Davis, um, Diallo. Tim Frazier is expiring at $1.5 million. Frank Jackson, non-guaranteed salary for next year. Darius Miller is expiring at $2.2 million. Nikola Mirotic expiring at $12.5 million. Etwan Moore has another year and $8.7 million left on his deal after this one. Jaleel Okafor, playing well lately, has a team option for next season. Alfred Payton is expiring at $3 million. Julius Randle has a $9 million player option for 2019-2020. And Kenrich Williams non-guaranteed salary for next year. The Pelicans do have all their own first-rounders. Uh, those are also their only inbound draft picks. Notable out- 
first rounders from the Lakers pretty soon. Yeah, they'll have a few of those, I think. Um, or or Boston slash Memphis <laughs> slash the Clippers, however that ends up. Uh, notable outbound draft picks. Their 2021 second round pick goes to Chicago as swap rights. Best salary matching assets that we haven't already mentioned. Wesley Johnson is expiring at $6.1 million. And their toughest player to move, I still think it's Solomon Hill. Has another year and $12.8 million on his contract. And I don't know, maybe you could get him off in an Anthony Davis trade, but otherwise he's going to require a sweetener. That contract, was that another 2016 guy? Yes, sir. My goodness. What a summer. <laughs> Most likely player to be traded. I have Miritich. Who do you have? Um, That's probably good because I, you know, I would love to see Anthony Davis traded, but I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. So I think Miritich is probably a good one. You're like a closet Lakers fan too, because you keep talking about how much <laughs> you want to see him and LeBron together. Yeah, um, I, I think I even tweeted that that some day, one day, like maybe a week ago or something, how how interesting it would look with those two together. And, and I had a few Jazz fans are like, "What are you doing, dude?" <laughs> <laughs> That's actually really funny. <laughs> Um, what to watch? I think it's will they hold on to Anthony Davis past the trade deadline? I'm going to say yes. Uh, yeah. I I think they would be kind of crazy to not see what else opens up over the summer. But like you said, there is that slight risk that maybe the Lakers play hardball at that point. Um, but yeah, I think they'll wait to the summer. My trade idea is just me saying that the Pelicans don't want to rebuild without mm-hmm. Davis. So I pitched this to you the other day. The Pelicans get Mike Conley and Caspi. Grizzlies get Solomon Hill, Wesley Johnson, Nicole Miritich, a 2019 first-round pick. Top seven protection, maybe you could loosen it. Top five, top one. Uh, 2019 second-round pick and a 2020 second-round pick. You could also, if if the Grizzlies want, there are other players that you can include. There's a way to make it work. You could put in Garrett Temple and then give the Grizzlies uh, each one more. There are more pieces to include and if you're interested in Miritich who's not exactly young but kind of a night him and a Jared Jackson Jr. front court might be interesting if you want to play Triple J at the five Uh, and I think the other thing we need to point out is that Mike Conley's contract is not necessarily an asset he's owed two years and 67 million after Mm -hmm. this season and so it seems like this this trade it seems like New Orleans is giving up less than Utah would be in their Conley trade the only thing I'll say is that Nicole Miritich is is better than than Ricky Rubio when you're looking at the immediate asset and having his bird rights is way more valuable than um, having Rubio's bird rights to me. Maybe you involve a third team. You can send Miritich to the Nets and see if they'll send like a second round pick and Rondé Hollis Jefferson to the to the Pelicans. Yeah, I was going to ask you why this one only had one first and the Utah version of it had two, but I think that's probably a fair explanation. Um, that if you were if you were gonna keep one of those expiring contracts, Miritich would would probably be one that you would prefer. Um, there may still be some Rubio fans out there, and there's still some advanced numbers that kind of like him. But I, I think in a vacuum, I think most- the big the big thing is though that New Orleans is picked this year. Even if they have Conley for the rest of the season, is going to be way better than Utah's first round pick this year. That's true too. Yeah, that's a that's a really <laughs> big point. For the basketball purposes of this, um, Drew Holiday has been sort of um, a, a in-name-only shooting guard for two or three years now. So I think it would be fine to play those two together, Conley and Holiday. 
Um, and Holiday can guard multiple positions, so that's interesting too. Offensively, um, Conley and Holiday is a really interesting backcourt to me. So I, I like this deal for the Pelicans. And like you said, it, maybe it's a good hedge against losing Anthony Davis. So you do trade him this summer, but now you're coming back with Conley, uh, Holiday, whatever you get in the Lakers trade. Maybe you still have Julius Randle. If you got somehow had Tatum Brown, like if that's the package yeah. Boston gave up and then you have Conley and Holiday, that's probably not a bad team. If you're um, – do they have Randall's bird rights? No, non-bird. Okay. I don't. I still don't know who's going to come in with a huge offer for him, though. That's true. If you're starting one through four, Conley, Holiday, Brown, and Tatum, that's that's pretty interesting. I'm with you. Um, do you want to do have? the Phoenix Suns? There they are, Phoenix. Sure. <clears throat> Buyers or sellers? Sellers. Um, yeah, sellers. As I mean, I don't think anybody would be shocked if the Suns were like, let's let's see if we can be buyers. But they should be sellers. Imagine if they traded um, for Mike Conley. Yeah, uh, would, wouldn't shock me. Um, untouchable players: DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. I think that's right. Uh, notable trade assets: Michael Bridges, Jamal Crawford, Rashawn Holmes, expiring at one point six million. Josh Jackson, DeAnthony Melton, Elia Kobo, Kelly Oubre Jr who's a restricted free agent this summer and cannot be traded in combination with another player. TJ Warren, three years, $35 million, And I actually think that's that deal has aged quite nicely, um, and he could be interesting on a bunch of different teams. Notable inbound draft picks, all their own firsts. Uh, Milwaukee's 2019 first, which is protected 1-3 to three and 17-30. to 30. Uh, It has top seven protection in 2020. Pick protections have gotten crazy. Um, Notable outbound draft picks, 2021 second to Brooklyn. Best salary matching assets, Ryan Anderson at five, or not five, $15.6 million partial guarantee for 2019-20. Dragon Bender expiring at $4.7 million. Um, Troy Daniels expiring at $3.2 million. Toughest player to move, Devin Booker. He's got the poison pill provision, and they just signed him to that huge extension. Um, You've got him as an untouchable anyway, and I, I don't think they should be trying to move him. Um, most likely tra- player to be traded, Rashawn Holmes. Um, I think that's probably fair. Uh, I, I could see a bunch of different guys on this team being available, but I, I think Holmes is a guy that could step in as a backup center just about anywhere. Do you think and, they should be trading one of Josh Jackson or Kelly Oubre Jr. this season? Um, I, I don't just don't know they, why you'd want to pay – Kelly Oubre and Josh. I mean, if Oubre gets even, he's going to get 10 million on the market. Like people overpay for wings. And now all of a sudden you have like $17 million invested in Kelly Oubre and Josh Jackson next year. And that's at minimum. There's a chance it's more than that. Yeah. And you're already paying um, over 10 million to TJ Warren. So all of those wings together is quite a bit. I wouldn't be the team to throw a bunch of money at Kelly Oubre, but I think you're right. Somebody probably will. Um, hey, the Knicks need a max star. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a lot of urgency to move either one of those guys, but at the same time, they probably shouldn't be like philosophically opposed to it. Um, I like you, like you said, the only untouchable should be Aiton and Booker. So if if there's discussions on anyone else, they should certainly at least hear them out. I was tempted to put Bridges in there because I think he's just been solid all season and defensively for a rookie. I know he's an older rookie, but I didn't put him there. Obviously, I was tempted though. Um, it's another wing they have too. Yeah, 
salary cap situation, they've got plenty of flexibility under the tax. Um, what, to wa- what to watch? Do they move Rashawn Holmes or Kelly Oubre? And are they open to taking on bad money? The second um, uh, answer well, is pretty clearly no, right? Even though I think they should be. Which is, yeah, it's funny. I guess, you know, I'm not the one writing the checks, but um, it seems like such an obvious choice at this point for bad teams in the last few years to be one of those teams who are willing to take on bad money to get some assets. Um, but there's still so many that are just reluctant to do it. Uh, your trade idea is Frank Kaminsky and a 2019 second round pick, uh, less favorable from Denver or Washington via Charlotte and a 2020 second round pick to the Suns with the Hornets receiving Kelly Oubre. Um, this is interesting to me. They, they, they took on Ryan Anderson with the idea that he was going to help them this season. At least that's how they sold it when they acquired him. So getting a guy who's a lot younger than Ryan Anderson maybe has the potential to be a good stretch big going forward in a couple seconds um, for a guy who, like you just explained, the the fit and the future for him is kind of cloudy um, in Phoenix. And then Charlotte, that makes sense for Charlotte too. They've got a bunch of big guys. It's kind of hard to get Frank Kaminsky on the floor right now. Um, you can... I think it would be good for their wing depth to get Kelly Oubre Jr. So that's that's an interesting trade for me. Would you do straight up Thon Maker for Kelly Oubre Jr.? I feel like I saw that somewhere. It was um, me because I was asking you which trade you preferred. Okay. Like. <laughs> yeah, so I did see that somewhere. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting too. I, I would probably do that for. I think it might be more interesting. Yeah, that one. That one is. Interesting, because I think there's probably a little bit more upside with Maker than there is with or McCurr um, than there is with Kaminsky, and Milwaukee's another team that could maybe use a little bit more wing depth. Although Sterling Brown has has been decent this season, um, but I, I do think they could get a little bit more help on the wing there. I, I like that one. I can't say I just can't say McCurr. It sounds so unnatural. I know. I I'm going to look that one up too. I, I who who was it that wrote that story where they made a big deal about that pronunciation? Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. Yeah. They don't have a pronunciation on basketball reference, which is rare. That wraps it up for the Suns. I really just don't think they're going to do anything. Maybe they can I, get a second-round pick for Rashawn Holmes, but I think they're going to hold. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Sacramento is more interesting. Uh, again, Kings fans don't get mad that they're looped in with the lottery teams. We're just doing it based off the current standings. Buyers yeah. or sellers? I think they're both because they have a cap space so they can take on bad money in exchange for picks, but – they're close enough to the playoffs where they can they can go after a player. If they need to give up a second-round pick, um, if they need to give up Willie Cauley-Stein, I think that they have the justification to do so. Yeah, um, I, I could see them going either way or both ways, just like you said. Their untouchable players are interesting. De'Aaron Fox, is, if we're being honest, is the only clear one. But unless you're acquiring a star, a superstar, it's Marvin Bagley, Bogdan Magdanovich, and Buddy Heald as well, in addition to De'Aaron Fox. I think those are their untouchables right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Their best trade assets, uh, Nemanja Bielitsa, Willie Cauley-Stein, who's a restricted free agent this summer, Yogi Ferrell, non-guaranteed salary for next season, Harry Giles, Justin Jackson, Scala BCA, Frank Mason III, Ahmad Shumpert, who is expiring at $11 million, and has quietly, when healthy, had a pretty good season this year. 
notable inbound draft picks for them. They have a 2019 second round pick from Cleveland, Houston, Orlando, the second most favorable. They also have a 2019 second round pick from the Lakers or the Timberwolves, more favorable. They have Detroit's 2020 second round pick, Miami's 2020 second round pick, Memphis's 2021 second round pick, and Miami's 2021 second round pick. It's a nice little stable of second round picks. Notable, notable outbound draft picks. They have a 2019 first round pick to Boston, top one protection, or Philadelphia. It'll end up in a 2019 second round pick to Philly swap rights. Their best salary matching assets, Costa Kufos is expiring at $8.7 million, Ben McLemore is expiring at five point five, and Zach Randolph is expiring at $11.7 million. Toughest player to move? I picked none. I don't look at the – is it – it's Zach Randolph in a vacuum, but they're a team that I feel like is willing to take back some bad money. Mm-hmm. They're most likely yeah. – oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to agree with you. Yeah, and I, I think uh, they could get off probably anybody. Their most likely player to be traded, I have – even though it's blank, I have Willie Cauley-Stein for them. It seems like they've kind of, I don't want to say soured on him, but with his restricted free agency coming up, I, I don't get the vibe that they're necessarily going to reinvest him. Maybe they try and squeeze him, but he's an interesting trade chip for anyone who wants a cheap center uh, who's young and his next contract shouldn't be too bad. Salary cap situation at a glance, just over $11 million in space. That's going to be huge. Uh, they and now the Mavericks are the only teams with functional cap space what to watch is a lot can they acquire help on the wing will they move Cauley Stein in advance of restricted free agency and are they willing to take back uh, a bad deal in exchange for picks or prospects I think the answer to that will probably again will probably be yes this is not an Otto Porter trade because those are so popular for the Kings but this is my trade idea for them the Kings receive Tim Frazier Darius Miller and Etuan Moore and the Pelicans receive Willie Cauley-Stein, Yogi Ferrell, and Justin Jackson. Let me, I got to look at this one a little bit closer. Um, I'm wondering if it looks better if you remove um, Ferrell and Tim Frazier, and it's just Darius Miller and Etuan Moore for Willie Cauley-Stein and Justin Jackson. How much do, uh, I'm going to pull up the Pelicans books real quick. Um, are Moore and Miller under contract next season? Miller is not. He's expiring at 2.5, and Etuan Moore uh, has $8.8 million left on his contract next year. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, if the Pelicans are going to lose Anthony Davis, and they are at, at some <laughs> point, um, <laughs> having a restricted free agent with some upside and Willie Cauley-Stein is, is interesting. A flyer on Justin Jackson is is maybe interesting too. I, I, I don't mind this deal. Um, it depends on, I guess what else New Orleans has up its sleeve over the next 12 months. They got to make a deal at some point. So it, it would be good to have sort of an up and coming big to take Davis's place. I think. What do you, if you had a guess really quickly, what do you think the Kings end up doing at the trade deadline? Um, I think it's always safe to err on the side of nothing. So that would, that would probably <laughs> be my, my my formal guess, so to speak, but um, Otto Porter, I, I think, could, could be in play for them. Wizards owner disagrees, but I, I'm with yeah. you, actually. They could get Washington out of the tax and then some. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's all of the Western Conference lottery teams, is it not? Projected lottery teams, Andy. We don't want yeah. to offend the Lakers Projected. and Kings fans. Projected lottery teams. Um, calm down, Lakers fans. 
we did that plus uh, all star ranch. Rant. <laughs> um, a little bit of New York Knicks, Dallas Mavericks trade talk. So um, thanks for those of you who were uh, tuned in for the whole thing. Thanks for to those of you who tuned in for a little bit and are hearing this part. Um, I still thank you anyway. Uh, until next time, we. Uh, I was going to do the shout outs, but I forgot Dan Favalli's on Twitter at Dan Favalli, F-A-B-A-L-E, the show's at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. As always, we encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And now I do the shout outs to Ben Odry and Kyle Anderson. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.